Welcome to another episode of Over Us. Today, we have an incredibly special guest because a fellow Canadian and very close. I mean, you're about an hour and a half away from me, maybe two hours with traffic. We have Justin Conico on the program. A lot of you probably know who he is by now. He's torn onto the scene. I think Clubhouse had a lot to do with that. Like a lot of people, a lot of people found out about different agents through Clubhouse and you're still utilizing Clubhouse. Um, he's the owner of and founder of Prime Brokerage, and he is a legend of it of an agent. I don't know what else to say. Justin, thanks for being on the uh, the pod. I appreciate the kind words. I, I don't think I'm a legend of an agent, kind of like <laughs> you guys, right? Like one foot in front of the other for a very long time, and you know I'm a ten year overnight success, as they call it. Ten year overnight. So for people who may not know you, can you give us your elevator pitch? Who is Justin Conico? Oh, that's complicated. Um, I'm a crazy person whose wife convinced him to get into real estate, kicking and screaming. My exact words to her is, I don't want to be a greaseball on a golf course. I work hard. Nobody, no agents I know work hard. Um, she tricked me, got my license because I thought I'd save the commission on investment properties like a, a good non-agent would think and fell in love with the business. Um, marketing sales background. So I actually worked for a guy named Mike Smith and I was in hospitality. So I used to run Joe Cool's, Jim Bob Ray's. If you, I didn't been anywhere near London, you probably met me. Um, I was a bouncer, 155 pounds soaking wet. So instead of getting beat up, I learned to talk. Um, I was a DJ barback supervisor and I worked my way up to the marketing coordinator for his organization. And Mike was a really cool dude. Like I met him in the parking lot, sweeping up cigarette butts. I thought he was just a maintenance guy. And um, we ended up forging a friendship and really he espoused in me that kind of servant leadership mindset. So when I came into this business, a lot of what I learned in hospitality with Mike belly to belly with consumers, rebranding the restaurants, everything that I took from that, I applied to real estate. My wife is my partner, owns all the businesses with me. Um, she's very much analytical. So MBA from Ivy, you don't see her on any socials. I like to say it's really, she's the brains. I'm kind of the face of the organization, but you know that's where Prime came in was we didn't find a solution for what we wanted from a brokerage standpoint. Don't worry, we don't recruit. So this isn't gonna be a recruiting sp uh, spiel. I like to say we're not even really your typical sales office. We turned away about 35 agents last year. Um, we're just very zeroed in on being a real estate and a media company first. Yeah. Sorry about that, Eric. I'm sorry you couldn't join Prime. You just yeah, you I, know, I, was, yeah. I was itching to join. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, to move up north or Eric, well, 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 20 yeah, right now you. to start yeah, selling dude, real estate yeah, again. Yeah, do you want to come out here hell. in LA right now? Yeah. You're, uh, yeah. Burning that's hell. funny. That's what the email says, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all it said. They haven't talked until now. It's a breaking episode right now. Um, that's interesting that you were kind of that asshole who always comments on TikTok about how agents don't deserve any of the money. So you, you thought agents were just grease balls, didn't deserve their pay, stuff like that before you got into it. Well, TikTok wasn't around. So I definitely well, I know wasn't that. on TikTok. You're on MySpace. I was a very, very quick to judge. Right. And I've done this a couple of times in my life and I'll be the first one to tell you and be vulnerable about it, of just making assumptions about people and industries. Um, and like anything else, there's good and bad real estate agents. I like to say good ones are undervalued for sure. Bad ones are overpaid just like anything else. But I really think that was the fun part about it is we looked at the industry as not an insider. So like Eric, when you and I met probably what, nine years ago, I probably messaged you. You actually responded to me, which I was surprised about because you were starting to kind of grow at that point. And I realized that you were more like me than most of the people around me because we were in an industry that we understood and we were doing transactions, but you were also bringing your personality into the business. And when I got into it, you know, it was the old school, Hey, go on Facebook, tell all your friends to, 
you're in real estate now. You're going to buy and sell real estate. I did that to two people and they both chirped me and they're like, this isn't you, just be you. So I, I kind of went the other way when the industry was going that way. So you are also kind of a media savant. You're on Instagram, you're on YouTube, you have these 45 minute long presentations that seem to be kind of agent to agent education. So what is the point of all of this? So you're saying it's not a recruiting. Is it just because you like the media aspect of it? Are you, do you have your own, you have your own media company I saw also. So yeah. what is the point of producing these long form videos? They're really educational and good. I'm not saying like, what the hell are you doing? Sure. I just mean like, what's kind of like the end goal? Is it to get more people into your brokerage or is it to like really hammer the media side? Yeah, I love the question because I think a lot of people are going through that self-discovery themselves. For a long time, I had no idea, to be honest with you. I started a series called Prime Daily, which helped me build my real estate business. So think about it this way. There's like four companies. There's Prime Real Estate Brokerage, which is a platform, right? Take Justin out of that. Like you guys can plug into that. And if you worked within the platform, you get all the resources and, and whatnot. It's a brokerage. Like you could work there. There's Justin Conoco. I'm in production, so I'm actually selling. And the business that I do, a lot of it came from me doing these little informative videos for a long time. And then there's Prime Media Productions and then the agency side of the business. I used to be all four of those companies. Like I did everything. I was essentially the brokerage. I was my own transaction coordinator. I was my assistant. I was my production company I, with my own little camera. And I was the agency. Like I learned to run Facebook ads. I learned Google AdWords. Like my background is marketing, right? So you know, I got really annoyed in the industry when I would get hit up by these digital marketing agencies and they'd want to charge me $15,000 for a logo that I could get on Fiverr for $500. Or they want to charge me a $2,000 management fee for my Facebook ads when I'm like, well, I could just put aside two hours of my life every month and do it myself. Like That's how much I pay. Yeah, that's great. Well, you maybe you're doing it at scale, but yeah. at the time I didn't have the money, right? Like you either have time or money and I had a lot of time. So I kind of learned all these little things as I was building it. And the companies just came as a solution to me realizing, well, it got to a point where I didn't have time. I had more resources. So why don't I build solutions for us internally? So the company started as, you know, McDonald's making their own French fries. Like instead of me hiring outside photography companies, I just have my own company and have my own shooters and my own processes. And then the agency was the same thing. It was just compartmentalizing saying, well, now I'm going to do this aspect of it because I, I get it. But I would say, even on the brokerage side, A, a lot of people call me and they're like, should I just open my own brokerage? I'm like, well, I have Shannon. Like she runs that. I do no HR. I do no compliance. I don't want to do transaction coordination. So without Shannon, prime brokerage probably doesn't exist. My other companies, to answer your question, Eric, I have a huge passion for it. I like editing. I know how to use Premiere Pro. Like we were just talking about our friend, Brad McCallum, one of the best in the industry, Probably not going to go as far as him in terms of me being able to edit to that quality, but I love this stuff. Like I love Peter McKinnon. I love Sirhan's stuff. If I could take the two of them and make him have a baby and I'm what comes out. That's kind of where my head's at. Right. So the production companies became just a cause and effect of everything else I did. Now where they've gone is they've basically created two YouTube channels. So there's prime real estate brokerage. And that's bro brokerage community facing. So if you're looking to relocate to Southwestern Ontario, that's the channel. You're going to find the areas we cover, the houses, listing videos. That's the real estate arm. Justin Conoco's channel, I actually only started putting effort into in like May of this year. I think I had like 82 subscribers. But I hooked up with Benji Travis and Sean Cannell from Think Media and those YouTuber guys in Clubhouse, actually, of all places. 
um, put my hand up. They were in a tiny room. Nobody knew who they were. I knew who they were. And I was like, start asking them questions. And then I just started showing up in YouTube rooms. And then I realized what YouTube actually is. Like people think it's, oh, it's another social media platform, but it's an actual business. And it's something far bigger than I thought it was. So where I'm going with the Justin Conoco YouTube channel and why I do the informative videos is for two reasons. One, I got refined on who's actually watching my stuff. Part of that was through Clubhouse realizing, like I look at the audience and be like, okay, these are the people that are kind of my people. And then two, well, now I created a channel where I was doing it on the Prime channel, but that doesn't speak to the consumer. They don't care about productivity hacks, content creation. They just don't, right? So I separated the channels for that reason. I actively say I'm not selling anything. I don't have any courses. I just, I do that because that's not my end game. My end game is to empower the me from 10 years ago that didn't know where to go. Like I have a history of you know, drug addiction and some other stuff too that I had to overcome. And I've been 10 years sober, not because I'm special because I had good people help me. So me coming back to the community and saying, well, I'm insane. This is how I manage my calendar. There's so much to do, but this is how I create content for different businesses. Creating those videos to me is building that community. And long tail, if I did have an ask, I would say it'd be to get on more speaking engagements and have opportunity to speak at conferences and stuff like that, which has started coming through those channels like crazy. Only I can't go anywhere because we're in on terrible and we're on lockdown. So yeah, well, Did, we're going to be speaking together in uh, March. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Did Clubhouse kind of help instigate this shift in content for you? Like when you started getting in these Clubhouse rooms and people started looking at you as an authority figure on media and social media, is that kind of when you started focusing more on YouTube and agent to agent education or was this happening before that? Clubhouse helped me refine my ideas. So the other big thing, and I say this all the time, the reason I do the videos is it helps me work out my ideas. Because what people don't see, they see the 45 minute presentation that I do, but they don't see the hour or two I put into like the structure. So if I talk about how I create content, like how do I come up with my ideas? How do I actually shoot them? How do I set my gear up? How do I edit? I actually have to take a little bit of time and like itemize those. That to me has been very, very helpful. So Clubhouse combined with doing the videos has really sharpened that sword and given me direction. So to answer your question, yes, by finding Benji and Sean. And then also just by working out the ideas in a public forum. And have you noticed that like a lot more business or just a different avenue of getting business through these Instagram videos, YouTube videos, stuff like that? Yeah, without a doubt. So on the brokerage side, I can tell you like we tripled the amount of incoming business by separating the channels because yeah. Google didn't really know what to do with me. Right. So when we did the prime brokerage channel and all it was, was like, me doing a motivational talk, talking to two killers like you, and then showing a neighborhood, Google's like, what do I do with this guy? Like real estate agents want to watch them and buyers. So when I separated the channels, I noticed a huge uptick on the prime channel. So now we're getting like 30 calls a month, roughly um, off those channels. And it's not even that big. And then on my personal channel, like I said, the proof started coming when people would call me and booking me for stuff. I got hooked up with somebody that manages Kevin O'Leary and I'm doing like a little YouTube content presentation to them not because I'm special, just because I, I was out there enough for them to find me through those mediums, right? And yeah. just being focused in the medium. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask if you're... Sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, we interrupted you once an okay. episode. You, you, he, a... went, he went and got a fucking coffee and came back. <laughs> I, tur yeah, I just... turned off the heat because it was fucking <laughs> up awesome. the mic. Okay. But are, are you confusing the algorithm at all on Instagram when you are doing kind of agent-to-agent -agent education and then you have more 
agent to client facing stuff on your feed? Because I've noticed you hide the reels. I don't know the strategy behind that necessarily because you have some that are doing great numbers. Um, so I, I know with Instagram, if you start posting stuff like towards a different audience, you kind of confuse it and then suppress your engagement a little bit. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm leaving some growth on the table there, but here's the way that I actually think about it. So again, if I'm on YouTube, I'm like completely different channels because I'm still growing, like trying to get traction. If I can get to 5,000 subs, to me, that's something, right, on YouTube. When it comes to Instagram, I've been pretty thoughtful of keeping like 80 or 90% of my audience fairly close to me. So either they're in their community of real estate, like we know each other, or you're like a developer or you're local to the area, or you're an actual like friend of mine, or you know me, know me. So the reason I haven't really created the separation on Instagram to the same extent on my personal channel is the phone's still ringing and people on Instagram, I almost want them to see both sides. Because if you think about Justin, you think about real estate and media, and I'll credit the Sirhan team to telling me that because they were the ones that kind of pointed me in that direction. So I want IG to kind of cover both. Like I do want you to think about me from the production and the agency side, because my agency and my production team they are killing it. They're doing it with some stuff with some athletes. They do stuff in restaurants. They do stuff in hospitality. It did a huge yogurt manufacturer. And like, I'm not even really involved in that side. We're proprietary to real estate. So the only real estate stuff they do is for prime. But if it's my content, Eric, I'm okay to leave 10,000 followers on the table. If they're not going to actually make the phone ring, rather control my messaging um, in terms of hiding the reels. I just do that so that my feed maintains like a certain visual integrity. I don't know if I'm hurting myself by taking them off. Um, I got to be more consistent with my reels. I, I hear what you're saying and I know they work. I just, I got to like put it in my calendar and do it. Cause I know it's critical right now for growth. Yeah. It's, it's uh, like been a huge thing for both of us for growth. Um, like I, I just started doing them last year as soon as it came out and like, yeah, we've been pushing like, like crazy. And there's a bunch of different growth hacks that you can read in Eric's ebook, ebooks. <laughs> Do you have but, an ebook, Eric? I'll order it right now. Yeah, it's free. Uh, free ebooks. Three. Free three ebooks. Instagram <laughs> hacks, Instagram reels, how to be a better reel a tour. Yeah. And then um, he's got it all. I'm on it. I'm literally another meme ebook. What? A what book? I, a what a book? meme ebook, how to make memes. Oh, me, uh, and then Commission Impossible. I've got yeah, it on my desk it. outside. I was one of the first orders. Barnes and Noble outside bestseller. in the freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, it yeah suction it's, shop. It's actually, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it's, it's keeping shot. up his his uh his deck. It's a little a little <laughs> lopsided right I, now. I got I two under my computer right yeah. now. That's what I use them for. Just well, propping. Okay, Justin, why do you think agents still can't wrap their head around? video don't you think it's strange that people still don't see the value in creating video for real estate yeah but it's the same agents that like when you're sitting around an office bullpen are complaining about every listing appointment they lost and they're in that kind of negative mind space right i think rather than being inspired by other people they're usually trying to find excuses for why you know that person you know just lucked out like again eric people would watch the growth, but they don't see the thousands of hours in the beginning that he took and every message you sent and growing the accounts, Matt, like your videos, the amount of effort it took you when you came out with those first concepts before I even knew you. Like I know what it takes on the back end, And I think people they are either just not willing to do the work or I also think they're too skeptical, right? Like they're so critical of something they don't understand, but look at the history. Like 
go back to the 50s when it went from radio to TV, people were skeptical. Then look at the 2000s, the internet came around. I was around, I was, I was a kid, I was in that like zone where I kind of understood what was happening. And everybody's like, oh, internet, that's a fad. And then it was, oh, I'm not going to buy stuff online. Oh, I'm not going to get Facebook. Nope, not going to get Instagram. No, TikTok's for kids. Like literally every single, single yeah. time you say that, you look back and people are chasing it, right? They're looking at, you know, the people that are getting real business from TikTok and Reels. And then they run into that space when it's completely oversaturated and they try and catch up. And then they're like, see, it doesn't work right? Versus trying to find the blue oceans. And you guys, you just said it, Matt, like you got into reels when it first, first came out, like being a first mover comes with such an inherent advantage. The other piece to that, and I see this on the production side, is you're also not scared of falling on your face and pressing record. I think that is the biggest thing that stops everybody. My hair is not right. This isn't good. This isn't that. Mark Salerno the other day goes live on IG. I know Mark is territory wise and he's great at video. I was in my sauna. I'd finished a workout and I had my little iPhone and this little contraption I have outside the sauna. My hair was a disaster. I looked like a mess. I opened my little glass thing. I hit go live, request to join. I sat there with him for 20 minutes and talked about the market, right? I also got a huge bump in growth because he has a massive following that don't know who I am and he's a friend friend. So that wouldn't have happened if I overthought, how do I look or how's the audience get like, if I started getting into that self-defeating narrative, I would have just sat there and watched his live and absorbed his content and not grown any of my own. I was able to bring my audience to him. We collaborated and then we leveled up because I wasn't too precious about it. I think that's the trick. What about agents that aren't charismatic or good looking necessarily, or have no, uh, they, they have no experience in front of the camera. What would you say to them who are listening I, to this and they say, I get it. I got to do video, but I suck on camera. I'm not doing it. Yeah. It's always that easy for you to say. It's, right. oh, that's the whole thing. Easy for you to say. You, yeah, you, you had a marketing background. Yeah. You know, you're polished. You're a good looking dude. You know how to Me, speak. Yeah. My hair is a disaster right now. I haven't had a haircut in a month and a half. It's like my mandate playoff beard type thing that I have hair going on. Perfect. It's, it, it's funny though, right? You say that it doesn't feel like that to me. Like I haven't had time and I'm just I'm not too precious about it. It is what it is, right? I also think when I got started, so if you go to Instagram, you type in the closers daily, that's what it used to be called. And you go back to episode one. I was like in my garage, lighting was terrible. You know, I've got issues like anybody else, right? Like I, I have as many self-defeating narratives as a lot of people. The one thing I don't do though, is I don't look at the video I just shot 57 times and revise it and say, oh, I should have said that different. I just put it out in the ether and then it's gone. Because I think what I understand is that other people are so concerned with their own business and lives and how their feed looks, they barely have any time to look at yours, right? And I just think it's, it's doing it over and over and over. My, like my, char- my charisma, you called it, wasn't always there. I just stumbled my words right there, right? And it's something I had to develop over time. I was probably socially awkward because of my background a little bit, but I put myself in uncomfortable situations and I, other key piece though was getting people around me that were helpful, right? Like getting a good tribe of people that if I called you guys, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, randomly said, what would you do with the reels or what would you do different? And you're like, oh, change this, 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 and this. I wouldn't be like, oh man, Eric and Matt hate me because they said that my reels weren't good and be all sad about it. I just go change it because I know you have my best interest at heart. So I think having a community of people and just putting in the wraps is really what will get anybody through that. Yeah, there's... 
there it's there's one thing with the people who won't even start doing the video like we were just talking about but then there's another thing with people doing it just to do it um what i like about your stuff and it's it's cool because there's so much ways to be creative with content and be in different niches like our content is totally different but it works for what we're doing and i see so many people trying like when i look at your content i see someone who oh he knows who he is he understands what he's doing and what he's good at and he's excelling at those things i think that's where a lot of people fall into like a trap they a lot of people message me i want i want to do creative content but i'm not funny that's the main thing i hear like you only have to be funny to do creative content yeah. and i i i have people also messaging me like hey matt do you think i should start swearing i'm like no man <laughs> like th- like it's so odd. like that's amazing you know, it's, it's just like, you need to find like yeah. that part of you, like that you want to bring out on camera and have people gravitate towards. And that, like I said, exactly when I watch your stuff, it's like, you know, who you are, you're like, you know, what part of your personality you want to like present. And that's what I always tell people. Like, why do people like you? What characteristics do people like about you? Bring that out in your video. If you're witty or funny or analytical, like bring that out. And that's how you can, you know, excel at, at, at video because some of the shit now is like people are doing content and I'm like, fuck, man, this is not, yeah. this is cringy. This is probably hurting you. And well, I'm they're chasing from- the dragon, right? Like you go on TikTok or, or Reels, for example, and they're, they're trying to trend Jack because it works from a growth perspective, but you can yeah. smell it, right? Like I, I think the adjective strategy that the Surgeon team uses, and I'll credit them for it because they're the ones that came up with it was like, what are three adjectives that describe you? And funny would definitely be one of them. That's you, right? Like if I come in and I just start swearing like a madman and trying to be you, you'll smell it on me, right? But I got a different brain. And I, I think the more you're yourself, and this is where I love the industry is actually going this direction, the more you'll attract the right people, not overnight, but it'll attract the right people and you'll add the right people to your environment, which will empower you to go further down that path. I do think it changes too over time. Like I'll look at some of my stuff and think about my messaging. Like I thought about it realistically off a video that you were just talking about, Eric, where I talked for a long time about this is my productivity planner. This is how I do my schedule and everything else. I'm like, I'm not doing justice to my audience to tell them that like this, you have to do this to live some life of perfection. So I actually, in my messaging over the last month have said a thousand times, I hit that like 60% of the time. It's there, the structure's there, but I'm far from perfect. Like I need people to understand. I'm almost going to go the other way for a little bit and kind of humanize the process a little bit so people aren't hard on themselves, right? But I only realized that by paying attention to the messaging and like what my core values actually are and trying to communicate that with my audience. Which is really smart because that's something we do too, is we always tell agents to show their losses or show their imperfections. And doing that with your content, even though you're talking about agent to agent education and how people could be more productive and finding their niche and video tactics, even if you show your imperfection and vulnerabilities there, that's going to really help your message. So I think that'll, that'll crush for sure. Um, so you met with Ryan Serhant, right? A couple of years ago or in 2018, it sounds like you take a lot of inspiration from him. So how did that meeting come to be? And what's the number one thing you took away from meeting Ryan? Let's take a quick break. Cause I got, I got some important news here. Eric, do you want to make 2022 your best year yet? 
Nope. All right. Well, we're talking next level, triple your transaction volume, crushing the competition, kicking ass like Spider-Man, closing deals and taking names kind of success. Are you sure you don't want that? Now I do actually, because yeah. that's actually what happens when you partner with Boomtown, the number one rated CRM in the game. It's got the tools and tech you need to generate and convert conversation ready leads. To check out Boomtown and see how you could score 750 bucks in free digital advertising, visit boomtownroi.com slash overask. That's boomtownroi.com slash overask. Well, if you go to my YouTube channel, I just did a whole video on this. No, I did actually. Um, on Friday, I did a, a segment on how I met him and he's actually become a mentor and a friend. So I know him and his whole crew super, super well. It actually came via Jazz Takar. So Jazz called me. Um, if you guys know who he is, he's out of Don Mills in your area, Matt. I know brand Jazz, new. Yeah. yeah. So Jazz and I actually go back to like Scott McGilvery day. So Jazz called me to work with him and Scott. I thought he was a scam artist. I'm like, you who, like, how would Scott know who I am? Whatever. We ended up working together for years. So jazz is like a friend friend. And he calls me one day and he's like, Hey, I want to start a YouTube channel, but jazz doesn't even use a laptop, like cell phone only. He's that type of guy. Right. So I went down to the REC team, brought two of my guys. And I'm like, this is what you got to do. Set up the YouTube channel. No idea if he's going to do it or not. He went all in like jazz is all in on YouTube. The podcast went crazy, but the first guest he booked was Ryan Surian. So Jazz calls me the day he gets back from New York. And he's like, hey, you got to meet this guy. And my instant response was, what's Ryan going to teach me? He's in Manhattan. I only knew him from the show. And it was the one where he jumped in the pool and they made him seem like a bit of a cheese ball. And I was like, ah, like not necessarily my type of guy. But that was the same mistake I made earlier, Eric. When I said I made an assumption about the industry, I made the assumption about Ryan. And I say this on the live video I did. Flew down, brought two of my agents. Um, they weren't video editors by any means actually jamie's in the office right now commercial real estate agent gave him like a ronin and my eus r i think at the time um 2018 and then nathan who's my assistant my thought was branding play go down shoot the podcast hang out with them and, and see where it goes from there i sat down with him 45 minutes he told me everything told me his split structure his contract plans how he gets new developments told me how he builds his team recruits and i'm like i'm not can't air any of this because it's all his secrets but I was about to hire another coach actually. And I was in the cab on the way back to my um, hotel and I text, or I text my wife and I'm like, Hey, what if I took the money I was going to offer that coach and just say, Hey Ryan, I'll pay you this to meet you once a year. Like didn't have to pay him to meet him the first time, but I was like, I want this guy to basically be my mentor. Cause he's doing what I want to do, right? He's in production. He got a team very similar to us. And I'm like, if I think of Manhattan, I think of Southwestern Ontario, the boroughs are kind of like my cities, right? Instead of like Queens, Manhattan, it's like, London, Lucan, Arva, whatever. She backed me 100%, sent him a cold email or warm email, I guess, at that point after saying, hey, man, appreciate that so much. I'll pay you X just for that 45-minute meeting once a year. And he goes, no need. He's like, I, I don't have time for coaching and that kind of stuff. He's like, you can come by the office anytime. Just very much like you guys, like super chill, like very humble down earth and really spoke to his character at the time. In his book, Sell It Like Surian, you see copies of it there. He talks about a developer that he pitched once and what he did was bought a bookshelf and then sent a book to the developer every week until he got a meeting with the developer. So I reverse engineered that because I thought it'd be tongue in cheek. I had Dean Kane send him a cameo saying why he should mentor me and like just all this cheesy stuff. Eventually he's like, okay, stop. He's like, I'm working on something. I got a good idea. About four months after that, they reached out to me and they launched Sell It Like Surhan, the course. And they're like, hey, like we kind of built this course and it's kind of an early inception. Would you like to be a part of it? And I was like, I said, I wanted it. Let's go. Right. So the way I look at that is the same reason I bought your book. I could have gone back to meet him every year and essentially tried to forge a relationship that way. 
Instead, I looked at like my favorite musicians. You launched the Broke Agent book. We'd been friends for years. Didn't even hesitate, ordered a copy. My whole team knows what it is. Just kind of help you in your little piece. You know, Ryan launches his course, same thing. I jump in, no expectation of what it's going to be and just kind of put my eggs in that basket. And then when I went down and I met them, every time I met them, I would think of like something they were working on that I had that they didn't, right? So like they didn't have the brokerage. I owned a brokerage, so I could tell them about operations and all those things. And then, you know, systems and processes were wizards with stuff like follow boss and systems instructions and follow-ups and like copy all my plans, send them to Jen LS as head of new development. And then we develop a relationship. And then Raphael, Kyle, Sydney, like as their crew started going, really i just started seeing how much we aligned from a branding perspective and they've been integral because once a year i'll go down and i'll meet them and have a discussion about what we've done and where i want to go and how ryan's been so integral to me is just having a third party that's very different than me like what he's building is very different than what i'm building just to bounce ideas off of knowing that he just wants to see me grow that's where you know my inspirations come from and how that relationship really developed you didn't buy anything from me, Justin. Got something from Brian, something from Eric. What do you what do you no sell me? Send me a link. What do you got? What are you uh, selling these guys, Matt? We got some ugly sweaters. <laughs> we got some ugly Christmas, Christmas sweaters uh on sale now because it's January. Leonetti. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the merch shop right now. Yeah, the I guess, store. Use I, discount I, Sirhant for 25% off. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Take care. Short sleeve. You oh, take he's care right now. on there. You take That's care amazing. now. Yeah, I like I what you said. Sleep. I like what you said there, Justin, about you providing something that they they didn't have. And I think when people reach out to Matt or myself, a lot of people will just say, "Hey, can you give me a shout out?" Or, "Hey, please post this" or something like that, which never happens. Or share this. Some people will literally demand that it happens. <laughs> yeah, they or say like, share this. this. They say pitch. they say share this, and then they say, "Actually, no, not that one. Share this one." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I'm exactly." Not fucking it's like, I'm not sharing it. anything. <laughs> it's terrible. But yeah. there's a few other people that have sent me memes or content that already has the broke agent branding on it and yeah. isn't specific to them. And it's just like, "Here's this if you want it," and that's always been the best way to you know, get us to post something or actually just tagging us in a story. And they're providing a piece of content that does well on my page and then in turn gets them a tag as well. So I think that's a great strategy to do it. And Jason Cassidy did something similar that you did when I first started talking to him. He's an agent in San Diego, friend of the show, had him on the podcast. He bought like 20 Commission Impossible books and then gave them away on his Instagram. So it was kind of like a, you know, um, promotional type of thing, but it helped me out help my brand out and then help his followers out. So there's plenty of ways to go about contacting people, but providing value to that person and not asking is a great way to do it. So props. Yeah. That, yeah. That is a really good idea. And like, there's always some sort of value. I mean, don't, don't think you're like the end all be all, but a lot of the times there's some sort of value you can bring someone that you might not even know. Like when someone looks at Ryan Serhant, they wouldn't even, just for you to have the wherewithal to be like, Oh, I can, I could like, he's missing this piece right now. I can tell him about this. People wouldn't really think to do that because he's Ryan Surratt. You know what I mean? So to, to do that was legit. I think people are so busy not listening. (laughs) Yeah. Like everything you just said, like I was, I was listening and taking it in. Right. Cassidy, I wrote that Dennis name. I'm going to probably check him out after too. So like now you put him on. You don't need to check him out. (laughs) Yeah. He's just with him in Vegas. I've had enough of him, but 
you're doing it like you're you're just bringing them up for the sake of bringing it up for the context of the story but again people can smell it on you when you're giving for the sake of the ask that's coming like i can tell pretty quickly when it's coming down the pipeline like the mortgage agent that calls me and says oh let's go have some coffee and sit down and talk like i know what that conversation is so i I don't have time for it unfortunately right like if you want to build a relationship with me let's do that and let's see if it evolves into something else even the podcast you guys must get a ton of people that asked to be on the show. I'm so honored that you guys asked me to be on the show, but I actively didn't ask because I never want to put you in a position that if I'm not the right fit for the content, it's your prerogative, right? Like there's no, there's no end game. And going back to the Syrian conversation, it took me a while to figure this out in a world where everybody's just waiting to speak and be heard. I was trying to listen, like, as I was asking questions about how they do their operations and how they like, you know, intake new leads and go through, I'm like, well, what CRM do you guys use? And what does your drip plan look like? And this, that, and the other, if I can make a couple mental notes of, oh, you know what? I got something for that. And the key is actually what he taught me in his book, write it down and then follow back with people. That's where you surprise them. Like when you actually deliver and say, remember you mentioned that to me like four weeks ago, here's a solution. They're like, oh, he actually, he actually cares enough to to take time to do this. I think a lot of people can find those opportunities. On the flip side, the key is also rewarding the people that are providing you value. So when we are in this position where now we have a lot of followers, a lot of people reaching out to us, it's the people in our community that are posting us consistently or, you know, thanking us for being funny or something, whether I meet them at a conference or just promoting the discord or promoting our merchandise or wearing the merchandise. Like you have to also reward them and say, Hey, like I see you. Thank you. Because then it gets to a point where it's like, Hey, for five years, I've been sending you stuff, promoting your stuff. And you've you know done nothing. You haven't even commented back to me. Then you start to lose those people and they go elsewhere. So I think that's, you know, the flip side to it too, is you got to reward those people. Yeah. And you, you can be so fancy and overlook somebody in your audience that may end up being a game changer for like, you don't know the connections of proximity. And I've seen this happen, right? Like people get a little bit of clout on social media and then get asked to be on a podcast or something. And they act like they're, they big time that person. Meanwhile, they have no idea that that person could have connected them with an, like somebody that changed their life. And I think you got to remember where you came from. Yeah. The same people that you step on to get to where you're going to go are the same people that are going to be there when you're on your way back. Right. So this guy, real estate creative, Sterling Granger, who I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, he creates these unbelievable live action memes for the broke agent. Now he does them like once, twice a week. And they're incredible. They got to take two or three hours. And wow. the reason I came across him again is because he's been DMing me for years. And I know I've posted his stuff before, but you know, I just, I get a lot of DMs and it got bogged down and I just never saw it again. And then I just went through all those DMs. I'm like, holy shit, this guy is just sending me like gold after gold. And then I called him and I was like, you know, I really appreciate all this content you've been sending me would love to kind of make this more of a thing. Like, can we try to do these once a week? I'll promote you. You create content for us. And, you know, it's just cool to see how that's developed where someone just deep in the DMS had all this gold and he's a better content creator than, you know, me mm-hmm. as far as memes go. So it's really cool. Real yeah. estate creative, check him out. I think that's like an important conversation to have too. It's, it's, kind of shocking how bad uh real estate agents kind of first um contact is like i get so much of that like people will message me and be like hey check out my video 
And I'll be like, okay. Look at this. Would you walk into a cafeteria and be like, look at this? Like, yeah, know, like, like check this out. Somebody's face. And just like, just like that. And I'm like, you know, happy to look at it. And uh, then they go, well, what would you do better? And, you know, I still try and like mm-hmm. give them criticism if I, if I can. But then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm glad you like it. You mind giving it a share? It's like, no. Like, so now I know why you just did all this. Like, it's just, yeah. I can't, I, I just don't like that stuff. Like, it's they just want to go viral like i'll get people messaging me hey how do you go viral like i don't know ask fucking someone else i don't really go viral (laughs) you know i'm consistent with what i do and there's some that go like have a lot of views but i wouldn't say anything has gone viral the one that i think should have went viral is the stan video didn't go viral i'm pissed about that that was my yeah, your last couple <laughs> got like 300,000 plus. Yeah, That's but I count viral, viral like a million plus. Right. Like, a, But like, it's not about going viral. It's about being consistent with whatever you're, you're doing. Like, and that's where people, one viral video is not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything for you. And it's just like weird to see, even like we're in a weird um, place right now, even with like big, big teams around me who mm-hmm. have social media managers and I'm like, oh, you guys don't have a clue. You don't have a clue what you're doing. Like you should, I almost feel inclined to message them and be like, you should fire that person. Like this looks awful. And you're probably paying them 30, 40,000 a year. And they have no idea what you're doing. And it's actually making you look bad. And like it's making you take a step back, in my opinion. A lot of big teams around me who mm-hmm. cannot get a, a handle on it. So it's, I don't know, it's weird. I just don't try and go viral don't message me and just ask me to share your shit. Like, just be cool. Like I get a lot of people message me and just talk to me like about bands or watches. Like they know what I like and they, and I love that. Like, that's awesome. They build a relationship, like you said. And then, you know, down the road, you know, four or five months in, they're like, Hey, check out this piece of content I did. I'm way more like, I'm happy to do that now. And then give us five compliments first. (laughs) No, but it's, and then, but it's like, let's, let's relate share your content with me. And if I like it, I'll share it. I don't, I don't want to be put in a position just like you were saying, Justin, like asking me, you know, if you were asking to be on the podcast, which we do get a lot of people asking. And sometimes, sure. you know, we, we were about to have those people on. So we, we do, but like we get a lot of people asking and it just puts you in a position where you don't want to be rude or mean, but they're not exactly doing anything different or anything that would be, very good for the podcast like it wouldn't and they're just all they're trying to do it do is get that clout because they know especially eric i mean he's in this space he's the best at what he does like for the real estate comedy and the memes and just uh real estate personalities in general he's one of the biggest accounts in in the space yes of course so like people just hey i want to be on okay like well, what do you do? It oh, creates. I sell, I sell a lot of houses. Unfortunately, it's got to be more than that these days. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people it, sell a lot of houses. It ruins that relationship immediately because they hate us now because we said no or we didn't respond and we hate them for asking. <laughs> so well, now it's just you've destroyed it already. So, so here's the trick, though, right? So if you don't hire me to sell your house, Eric, we're still friends. That's right. that's a real friendship, right? So if you don't have me on your podcast. We're still friends because that's a real friendship. If my relationship is based on you having me on your podcast, we're not really friends. I'm using you. 
And I think what you were talking about, Matt, that actually ties into the team leaders and social accounts, right? I always say, you better off not do social than have somebody that doesn't understand your voice doing your socials. Because if I don't see and feel you in your content, you're going to lose my trust. I remember there was a platform in Canada. I don't know if it was in the States, but every agent when social media came out was using the same platform to post on Twitter, Facebook, like LinkedIn. I think it was those three. Pay 50 bucks a month. They Here's your boilerplate piece of content. I would go on Twitter every day and I'd see... 14 tweets back to back, the exact same copy from every single agent that used this service. And I, I used to screenshot it and repost it on mine and be like, stop using this platform because your consumer is going to see three agents post the same thing. Now you've lost their trust. Trust is the hardest thing to gain, right? From friendships to consumers to everything. And I think that's where being full circle, the clearest version of yourself or trying to do that self-work of understanding like what is my voice like where do I fit in the industry in my city what kind of life do I want to create using real estate as maybe a vehicle right you can make money doing deals you're never going to get wealthy doing deals you're going to get wealthy by being in proximity to other people and you're going to get wealthy by the opportunities the relationships give you not by selling houses spoken from a true legend yeah, legend. Um, I want to get into some some not so rapid fire, Eric. Yeah. So we have this segment here. It's called not so rapid fire because we don't actually think of any of the questions before we ask them. Nice. So it makes like it, it not so rapid. It's um, on brand. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Eric, can I ask my first favorite question? This one is we. This is the one question that we always ask. Okay. Yeah, this is easy for you when you have the guaranteed question. I got Well, yeah. Well, okay, here we go. There. Justin, if you were to choose one celebrity, not a real estate celebrity, a real celebrity, actor, musician, to be a part of your brokerage because you think they'd be the best agent, who would it be? Oh, this is a tough one. I'm trying to think of work ethic. Like I'm thinking of somebody that just puts their head down. Tom Hardy pops out because he mm. seems to be very adaptable, you know, very clear on who he is as a person. And I think he'd just be intimidating. So I can just bring him with me and scare people into signing contracts. Intimidating, it would be a good, yeah. With Not the like Bane mask, if he Tom has the Hardy. mask on. We've gotten a lot of, you know what, we've gotten, so Eric and I both chose Leo, particularly Leo in uh, Wolf of he's Wall a, Street. He's a goat for sure. Yeah. And then a lot of people were, had a good strategy where they just chose Kim Kardashian for just eyeballs. Exposure? Yeah. I don't know if you're going to get the right exposure, but. Well, I mean, it's exposure. It I mean, is. so. You post a listening video on her Instagram, it goes out to 200 million people. Yeah. That's true. I mean, you got to, one of them's got to sell. <laughs> yeah. And I go with Tom Hardy. <laughs> Okay, Tom Hardy. Yeah. I don't even think he has Instagram. <laughs> Probably not. I can handle the media side. I can make him a star. I don't think you can put work make, ethic in. Make, make Tom Hardy a star. So if you were starting real estate over today and you had to choose one platform to grow your brand and post consistently on, what would it be? YouTube, without a doubt. Oh, Why? Nice. And it's funny because my smallest platform, because I've seen what it's done in a very short period of time with some focus. So yeah. I'm doubling down on that right now i keep hearing that i keep hearing that from so we're doing it too like, though we are, yeah we're we are now to... promoting our links even though we've been told not to do that all to youtube now yeah and we're incorporating more shows 
so we have a new show coming out called between two lock boxes which yeah. you know, is a play <laughs> on between two ferns with that's amazing dan o'neill's the host and it's kind of more quick hitting would you rather five minute it's kind of like your lives that you guys do but in like a, a more formatted that's awesome exactly so it's yeah. taking you know like the more serious podcasts that we do here yeah. and those guests and then catching them off guard with like five minute questions and seeing kind that. of more of their personality, how they think on their feet. That's so awesome. we're going to incorporate a lot of those shows and kind of more news oriented stuff as well in the future. Cause we want to hammer YouTube. There's just yeah in real estate media. There's such a massive opportunity. I don't know if Inman's doing too much. Nobody's YouTube doing it. Housing well, wire no, from you guys will perspective. Crush. Yeah. I, I, think. I was looking at some analytics on vid IQ the other day. And the reason why I get excited and sorry to jump in, but it was, yeah you don't have to keep producing content on YouTube to the same extent you do on the other platforms. Like I have videos that will pop out of nowhere just cause it's working while you're sleeping. And like, it's just always trying to find that audience. And I think you guys are so zeroed in understanding on who your audience is. If you put the right content out there to find those people first, I think you'll grow faster than a lot of people. Cause you could do once a week on YouTube. Yeah. Right. Like as long as you're consistent on Instagram, you kind of have to do, once or twice a day if you really want to get that growth but with plus youtube if you're putting and, yeah yeah plus yeah. stories and everything it's crazy but once a week and then you could chop it up and put little teasers on tiktok exactly. and instagram which is mm -hmm. legit okay this is a two-parter okay cars or watches cars all day okay one car for the rest of your life what would it be oh man a war um well, see, my family's in the Ford Lincoln business, so it's really tough for me not to just stick with a, maybe a Raptor probably because when the zombies come, that's probably what I'm going to want. That's what Ari uh, Lyondike has uh, from, the, from The Bachelor. He's got a Ford show. Raptor, friend of the show. Um, he loves it. I have three friends that have been on The uh, the Bachelor, and it didn't work out well for any of them. No? No. no char they're characters. They're pretty funny guys. Yeah. So one was evil genius Drew, who was completely the heel. So I don't know if you remember Drew, but he was like which season the biggest villains of all time. I don't know which season he was on. And then there was Craig. Craig was also very well known. He was back, back, back in the day. And then there was mm -hmm. another guy that uh, I know through a mutual entrepreneurial connection that <laughs> we, I, his name. We won't not speak. Be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. we won't speak. So you're going with a Ford Raptor. Ford Raptor, so I can okay. drive over the zombies when the world collapses. All right, Eric, what would yours be? Just curious. Not a car guy. I don't know. Neither am I. Infinity. <laughs> Might be a Kia Forte. Okay. Uh, Eric, you want to? Yeah, yeah. I got I got one more. Okay. And not the final question. Okay. Okay. You're a big clubhouse guy, right? Still, kind of. Yeah. Still, yeah. We just did practical and tactical today. Um, we chopped it up about buyer and seller qualifications for an hour. So for sure. Is there still a huge crowd there? And what do you think is going to happen to clubhouse? Because I see Twitter spaces is kind of eating it. And when I go on Clubhouse now, which is never, but when I've just checked in to see if those rooms are still going on, the ones that I used to go on during the pandemic, I don't really see them anymore. So what's going to happen with it? Yeah. So I don't think social audio is going away. I know LinkedIn's right. taking a run at it. I know Twitter space is doing their thing. Why I really like Clubhouse is I found a wicked tribe of people. For example, when I was sitting down doing my practical and tactical room today, you asked me like, what's the value of it? It's very much, I got an MBA level education through sitting down with guys like Andy C. Andy C's on there all the time. He's on pace to sell a billion in Silicon Valley, one of the top agents in the globe. And I got an insight into how he hosts his open houses, what his follow-up looks like, what his qualification calls look like with buyers. People in our industry are paid $10,000 for that type of access and coaching, right? So I, you kind of get what you put out of it. So 
I just really am thoughtful about where I spend my time. And again, if I go back to what my core competencies are, real estate and media, it's the only two spaces I spend time in Clubhouse in is those two rooms, right? So I'm in there with YouTubers and I'm in there with real estate people. Where I think it's going to go, it could blow up, you know, in a year and be gone easily, right? Like I do think that if the leadership of Clubhouse doesn't build the right platform for the users to continue building their communities on or grow them, I think it'll be gone, but I will say like, I am noticing in the niche rooms that used to only be 30, 40, 50, 60 people, they're getting bigger, but they're a lot more niche. And it, it is, you got to understand the clubhouse isn't Instagram. It's not TikTok. It's not YouTube. Like the rooms where people were chasing 1500, 2000, 3000 people. I never went to those rooms because there was no depth to them. A lot of times they were a funnel. They were a coaching scheme. There's a lot of fake people on clubhouse that like to talk about a lot of stuff. They know nothing about those people fizzled out. And I think that's why you see that the large numbers dropping is those people. You can't last on a social audio platform talking about the same thing every day for six or seven months without being found out versus Matt and I did. (laughs) We had no, we had some real characters in our rooms. Holy shit, man. Saying the same thing over and over. Just wanted to hear themselves talk. Very much that. And like where I find that I enjoy it is the YouTube guys. It's always fresh. It's always like, Hey, I just figured out this idea. They're like, Oh, did you know, I'll bring you guys. If you're in YouTube rooms, I'll bring you into some six spaces. Viper. Who's actually one of the main connections at VidIQ runs this ambiguous room called coffee talk. You wouldn't even know it's a YouTube room, but he's like one of the direct guys at vidIQ. So he sounds like he's from Ozark. Yeah. He's, a, he's a tech guy, a tech review channel, but it, it's pretty cool. Cause if you can go in there and develop relationships and take them off platform, it doesn't really matter if clubhouse is here or gone. Those relationships are still in place. If you put the effort forth to build them. Right. It's a hell of an answer. Love so. it. I think yeah. that's a good close right there. Viper. I fuck I want a, I want a cool name now. Well, Maddie Mayhem is pretty cool, but Justin, we appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. Can't wait to speak with you next month. No, almost next month. End of March. Is that virtually? No, that is going to be in the person. first live event. And we are supposed going to be to, in person. We're going to fucking, Oh, it's in, I'm, going there regardless regardless even if they shut it down (laughs) i'll do it virtually from there but i'm going there so uh i'm excited to actually meet you in person because we haven't met in person yet but we've been uh we've been chatting a lot so stoked for everything eric want to ask your final question yeah final question where can the people find you Justin Conoco on all platforms. You can go to justinconoco.com. Most of my stuff is there. Make sure you find this guy as random as my name is. There's another guy who runs a male burlesque club out of Vegas with my same name. So don't find that guy. Same age range, different niche altogether. Right. Okay. So if you've seen some like weird magic Mike looking motherfucker, that's not the Justin Conoco we're talking about. All right. Sweet. Well, Justin, thanks so much for being on. Way to end it. See you guys. (laughs) Bye-bye.